Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hune. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. Today, I'm real excited. My guest is my good friend, Andrew McIntosh. He's the founder of First Gen Entrepreneurs. It's a group that I'm really proud to be a part of. It's a group that has provided me with um, just a lot of support, you know, friendships, support, you know, getting each other through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, which is so important because, you know, on, on one hand, there is the tactical aspect of building a business. But a huge part of it, as we were talking about before we hit record here, Andrew, is the the mindset as well and, and kind of having a balance between those two. And frankly, I've gotten both from your group, you know, the mindset help and some tactical help. So good stuff there. But uh, Andrew, thanks for coming on, man. How's it going today? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, things are going really well. I can't complain. Busy as ever. Um, but things are moving forward. So I'm uh, I'm pleased with that and happy to spend a few minutes talking with my but my good buddy from Texas here. So <laughs> thanks for having me on the show. You got it. So we were talking uh, again just before about uh, you know our experience on LinkedIn. That's where we met, um, and we've met a lot of great new friends on LinkedIn. So it's been an amazing platform. But I've taken some time off. You know, I've stepped back and tried to be a little bit more focused and intentional with with the things I'm doing, how I'm spending my time. And you were saying you've done the same thing. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about your experience of kind of getting off social media and what you've been focusing on. Yeah, it's funny uh, for me getting off social media. It started three weeks ago. This is the third week in a row that I haven't posted anything on LinkedIn. I've gone a year straight of posting five days a week on LinkedIn without any breaks. And it was unintentional because I'm actually in the process of acquiring a local business here in town, a brick and mortar thing. And as you can imagine, that's gets really hectic, uh, especially as you're getting closer to closing, which is uh, going to happen here soon. So between that and first gen and everything I got going, plus having a personal life, it was just like overload. And so about three weeks ago, I said, look, I, I got to just take a break because I, I physically do not have time to create new content. So that was week one. But then week two came around and I got through this uh, this burst of, of busy period. And now I had the time, but I didn't have the energy. And I was like, I just I don't have fuel in the tank right now uh, to be worried about posting on LinkedIn. So then week two passes then I come up on week three, that's this week, and and enough time has passed since I've done it that I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this right now. <laughs> this is not my top priority. And I think part of it, I plan on coming back and, and doing more. It's not like I'm writing it off forever. But having a few weeks of of not doing it has kind of like opened my eyes to the fact that, man, I've made a ton of headway in real relationships with real people. Um and not spending any time, meaningful time on, on LinkedIn has, has helped me to spend more time on other things. And it's, it started to call into question for me a little bit of like, okay, how much time am I spending on LinkedIn traditionally? And am I really getting my money's worth, so to speak, in comparison to how I spend time on other things? So it's been, it's been pretty eye-opening to, to have an unintentional break from it. 
Yeah, I think anytime that I've taken a break from LinkedIn and, and social media, whether intentional or unintentional, it's always a time for me to just kind of reflect and get away from all the noise out there. And sometimes I feel bad because I want to be supportive of people that I know and people who I know are working towards awesome things. Um, but sometimes you just got to take a step back and really focus on what you're doing and not care what everybody else is doing. And that can kind of re-energize you and get you more focused on your purpose, which is going to lead to great things for your business. And I found that recently, you know, I posted this morning about how content uh, impressions, engagement, all of that stuff is way down. It's been trending down over the last, you know, 90 days. And it had broken a pretty significant uptrend that I had been seeing. Um, but it's been at the same time, you know, more high quality conversations that are actually giving me energy, you know, and getting me excited and whether that person becomes a client or they refer a client or I come on their podcast or whatever, these are really good business decisions in addition to being good, just life decisions so that I can live a happier life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I've noticed the same thing. Like I said, I've been active on LinkedIn for about a year. Um, and for a while I was just on this crazy upward trend. I mean, it was getting like really fun and engaging to see, like, you're just putting out, you, you feel like a million bucks, like, man, I'm putting out bangers like every day and I'm just watching as this goes up. And then all of a sudden it like changed and it's just been steadily dropping ever since. And it's like super disheartening to see that because you're putting in the same amount of effort or more. You feel like you're evolving and improving as a creator and, you know, you're putting out quality content or whatever. And then to watch it all just kind of go down in spite of it, it's just like, ah, oh, it really takes a lot of gas out of the tank. But here's the problem. I've said this before. I wish there was like a mode where you could disable metrics on LinkedIn, like a, a little Chrome extension or something where you could just click of a button, boom, I can't see anymore. I don't I have no idea how many impressions. I don't know how many likes or engagement rates or any of that kind of stuff. I think would be a, a game changer because now all of a sudden you're forced to focus on the quality of the conversation that's being had in the comments. And you can just disengage, separate yourself from the metrics because those mess with your brain so much. And I don't, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or what, you know, but I feel like these social platforms put that stuff in there for a reason because it pulls us in and is causing us to spend more time on this platform. That's how they make money. The more time we spend on it, the more we are active on there, the more money they make. But for, as an entrepreneur, you don't, you don't need to be or want to be spending insane amounts of time on something, especially if it's not getting you a return on your investment. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been kind of disheartening a little bit to see those same kind of trends. But then the silver lining is, is it's like you, it's kind of caused me to focus a little bit on some other, other things and realizing like, Hey, what if you could put a number to an actual in-person meeting that you have or a virtual coffee that you have with someone and, and you provide them value? What if there were a number to that all of a sudden you started paying attention to those? It'd be like, that's where you're really building relationships and that's where it's really worth spending your time. Yeah, for sure. So we were talking a little bit also, Andrew, about return on investment, right? And we always think about return on investment in terms of our dollars. But 
it's also equally important to think of it in terms of our time. How are we spending our time and what's the return sort of on our happiness and fulfillment? And then also, you know, when it comes to our dollars, it's not just money we're investing in an asset, you know, real estate or stocks. It's also money we're spending because ultimately the money that we're spending is going to dictate the quality of our life. So I was wondering if you could just share a little bit of, of your philosophies on, on that particular issue, because that's something that I've, I've learned a lot from our conversations. Yeah. So I think most people do this where you look at your expenses with regularity, especially subscriptions, you know, and you look at it and you, you see it hit your credit card statement and you go, okay, did I get my money's worth this month? Is it really something that I need? Or is it underutilized? Is it giving me a return on my investment? And some things are a no-brainer and other things you you cut it. The instant you think you're not getting your value out of it, you cut it loose, right? And any investment that you make financially, that's your first question, is what am I going to get back out of this? What is my expected return? Uh, and you don't, you don't do anything that you think is not going to provide a return. Well, why would it be any different with your time? If you look at social media... And you say, if you actually tallied up how much time we spend on it, not just in posting, but in, you know, scrolling and liking and leaving comments and doing the thing, it's probably adding up to a lot more time than most of us realize because we're not tracking it. But if you knew what that number was and you said, okay, I'm spending on average an hour a day on social media for some, maybe even more. And you look at what that adds up to over the course of a week, a month, a year. Then you have to ask yourself, am I getting a return for the time that I'm putting in here? Or would that time be better spent elsewhere in other forms of meeting new people, networking, sales, marketing, investing in my operation, you know, whatever it is for your business. Um, and I think that that's where it's a tricky little thing. But if you can start to pay attention to how much time you're spending and honestly looking at it and saying, M pound for pound, am I getting the most bang for my buck out of this? There's probably going to be some adjustments to be made for most people, is my guess. How has your philosophy on that evolved over time? Because you and I met, what was it, like maybe two years ago at this point, a year and a half, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we've been sort of growing our uh, networks on LinkedIn and sort of learning all of this together. So how has that philosophy changed over time? I think when you start off, uh, for me, it was pretty exciting because like I had never really done much on social media in general until I started getting active on LinkedIn. And then you feel like there's this world of possibilities and you can meet all these new people. And that's absolutely true. But then over time, I've gotten a little... Um, Jaded is not quite the right word, but then you, you start to realize that like, just because you're spending time on here, likes ain't dollars. <laughs> right. Like that's just, that's just reality. But initially it kind of feels like they are. It feels like you're building a bunch of momentum and things are really happening for your business, et cetera. But if at the end of the day, the people, you know, that, that you're talking with a meeting aren't translating into actual customers and actual business for you and dollars deposited in your account, then what are you doing? Right? Like, and, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's always good to network with people. I'll meet with just about anybody just for the sake of networking. Like you don't have to become my customer before I'm willing to talk to you. So it's not like that, but these platforms want you to spend as much time as possible on there. They don't care whether you get new customers or not. They just want you to be camped out on there. And so I think that it's 
it's one of those just kind of deceptive things where you you wind up pouring into these platforms unintentionally, not realizing how much time you're spending on it. And so I get a little bit hardened or callous towards it where it's like, I got to put a limit to how much time I'll do. I still see the value in it, but I find that blocking off time and then putting a cap to it is, is the better use of that tool for me personally. Yeah, I can definitely relate to the sentiment there where you said you're not quite jaded because I probably am jaded. If you look at some of the content that I put out, I'm, I, as we were talking, you know, I, I got into a point where you, you get frustrated with it, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I, I maybe don't need to be as abrasive as I've been, but it's something I'm really passionate about because I think other people are experiencing this struggle as well. So, well, I think don't beat yourself up on that too much. I mean, there are you're with, with that kind of uh, grumpiness that you have that, that, <laughs> that <Yeah>. sometimes <laughs> comes through. I think the, the reality is, is that's going to repel some people, but it's also going to attract your people. So just do you, man. Like, I think some people really appreciate the straightforward nature of your content. I, I'm one of them. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I say that, be you, but then it's hard to actually do that yourself, you know? So, uh, but the one thing you said, um, and you had mentioned, you don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or not, but like, definitely not a conspiracy theory that these social media platforms want you to be on there all day. I mean, it's it's media. It's the same thing as, you know, CNBC's website wanting you to be on there all day and click through. And that's why they scare you about the stock market all day, every day. You know, it's, it's media. So we, we have to keep that in mind. And media is an amazing thing, but we can't let it run our lives. And that's interesting, just building on that for a second, because what when guys like us are, and everybody that we know on LinkedIn world and we talk to, we've all noticed the same thing about engagement going down and our metrics going down. So what are you going to do to fix that? Most people are probably going to invest more time on LinkedIn to try to get those numbers back up to what they used to be and, and beyond. Wow. For the record, anybody who watches this, I am completely just spitballing here. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I don't know if you're, if you're, if you're protecting your time, it's worth thinking about. It is. It is. So keeping on this, uh, we're talking about the evolution over time in terms of your philosophy on spending time with social media. So keeping with this uh, concept of evolution, you and I, in, in our conversation, had come to the conclusion that, yes, most entrepreneurs fail, but maybe it's just that most entrepreneurs fail to evolve and adapt their business. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time with various entrepreneurs from all around the world. Um, it's kind of cool, Just random side note. I tallied it up the other day, the first gen community, we have people from eight different countries. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so I've noticed the theme though, with a lot of them, you know, especially when you're, when you're new as an entrepreneur, you start off with a, you know, kind of, thesis for your business to say, here's, here's the skill that I have. And this is something I'm going to provide to people on the market. Here's my ideal client. Uh, and I'm going to go for it. And so they quit their jobs and they go for it. And then they find out after the fact that getting new customers is not as easy and building a business takes a lot longer than maybe what they anticipated. And now you start to watch the stress 
on their face. You can, you feel like you check in with them every month and you see them, they've aged a year, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is not cool. Um, but something that I think some people fall into a trap though, is like you start off with this idea of what your business is or is going to be. And then you stick to it regardless of whether the market is telling you, uh, that it's actually viable or not. And it becomes kind of a sunk cost fallacy. Uh, or you try, you, you double down on it, even on things that, are, that aren't really working. And then anybody who's, who's rigid or refuses to pivot or adapt or be open-minded about making some changes there, they really pay the price for that. Um, so one example that you and I talked about earlier was your ideal client. You know, most people have an idea or, but really that idea, it's just a theory on who their ideal client is. Well, to me, I think what a person should do is revisit and ask themselves every 90 days, who is my ideal client? Because with 90 days, that's enough time that through your efforts, you're going to find, you know, did you, did you get any new clients? Do you have any new testimonials or case studies of people who are your ideal client that are shouting your praises from the rooftops? No. Oh, well, why? Is it because they're not your ideal client or is it because your product or service isn't causing them to, to get excited about what you're doing? And at that 90 days, maybe a small tweak is needed, either in the product you're doing or the people you're going after, one of the two. But if you keep revisiting that every 90 days, there is no shame in your ideal client, as an example, evolving with time, right? And then when you get to the point where you've had two, three, four of these 90-day you know, kind of moments of, of reflection and, and thinking about who it is and you don't want to change anything because things are going really well, guess what? I think you've, you've finalized, really landed on who your ideal client is. So that's just one example of where you need to be evolving your business continually or else you're going to sit there with your arms crossed as you fade off into oblivion. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think it's so important to come into entrepreneurship with the right mindset that it's going to be a long process. Like I think some people think, oh, a six month runway is good. I don't think so. I mean, if you want to get out there and hustle and try to get any client you can get just to build a business in six months, you could do it, but you're not going to be enjoying that business. I don't think, I, th I think that's a business that's going to stress you out and going to drain you. And why leave corporate if you're going to do that? So I think if you get into entrepreneurship and you think like, listen, this is going to be a two-year process. If I don't have the funds for that, well, then I'm going to plan for it. And the first six months to a year is going to be just reflecting on who I am as an individual, what my greatest value is, and how I'm going to serve others. And then finding your voice on social media, figuring out what your message is and who you're communicating with and, and then finding your ideal client and experimenting, you know, taking feedback from them to evolve, as you were saying. And, you know, eventually you get to a point where you've kind of found your sort of community and now you can serve the community and you're going to get rewarded for doing so. And that's probably, you know, year two where that can start happening. I'm here on year three. But like, had I known all of this, I probably could have been a lot farther along than I am right now. Right, right. right. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, on more than one occasion, I have posted on LinkedIn advocating for uh, creating a side hustle while you still have your day job. 
and listing the benefits of doing it. And on both occasions, uh, two that I can remember, I got attacked <laughs> by a couple of people. Um, the first guy saying, uh, you know, basically accusing me of, of, I don't know, being misleading or whatever, because he's like, you know, I've got a family and I've got this job and I've got these other responsibilities and how in the world am I supposed to do this? And you're acting like it's so easy and that you just did it like it's no big deal. And I was like, no. I did. I, I never said it was easy. I absolutely had to hustle to do my side gig while working a full time job. Like, it's just that I don't glorify that hustle. I don't think that that is the thing to get excited about. I think it's just a necessary step in the process of getting this thing going. But I think it's worth doing because for me personally, the idea of just you know kind of ripping the band aid, quitting my job, and starting from scratch. It, in hopes that this business idea I have is viable and is going to actually produce cash that I can live off of while I'm watching as my savings is slowly getting depleted for the next six months, man, I don't want that kind of stress. And I've seen it firsthand in quite a few people. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's not cool. Like you can tell they're losing sleep over it. So in that sense, if you have the ability to, to get something going on the side and give it time to prove that it's viable and that it's actually going to produce results and you're getting real testimonials and feedback that people are enjoying it, and then maybe get it to where that thing is making some percentage of your day job. Maybe it, maybe it makes half as much as your day job does. Well, at least you know it works at that point. And when you quit your job, now you can go all in on this thing and really kind of pick up the pace of growth. Yeah. The second thing that someone jumped on me for uh, was this this outside scenario where someone is you know really like in an abusive environment in their day job, and that my advice was bad because I'm telling them to stay in their job, which was really frustrating. That's not what I mean. Like obviously, there's going to be edge cases. There's going to be situations where that doesn't suit where you're at. But if that's the case, then go find a healthy job <laughs> where you're not being abused and you can continue to pay the bills, and then go do your side hustle. Uh, or your third option, make sure you got more than six months worth of runway if you're just going to quit and start this thing from scratch because uh, it it does take it takes time to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, different approaches for different people. So I fall into that category where I just want to like break free, disconnect from this you know life I've been living and and that reality and just shift to a new reality and take my time you know kind of figuring things out. So that the long cash runway makes sense. But the, the side hustle thing, I used to be somebody that would get frustrated with that because I was like, I don't like hustling. I don't like hustle culture, right? And you and I agree, we both don't like, you know, the promotion of hustle culture. But maybe you just change the word from side hustle to side experiment. You know, you're just learning something new, right? You're learning how to run a business, um, how to create value for people, how to get the word out there so that you can talk to people about it, how to evolve the business. So it's like this experiment. And if it's something that you genuinely love, because it should be, because that's the way it's going to be a sustainable business in the end, then this should just be something fun, you know, that like maybe after work, this actually brings you more joy to think and work about this 
or think on and work about this than watching an hour of Netflix or whatever it is that you do at night before bed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that. Yeah. Don't call it a side hustle because then it just gives this imagery of that hustle culture. Uh, but even just a side business, that's what it is. It's a side business, you know, and I'm building it and I'm seeing if it's viable. And I think that that's something that people go into entrepreneurship with rose colored glasses and they think, oh, I have an idea. Uh, I can, I can do this thing. And if I just, just by the mere existence of said business, it just grows on its own. And it's like, no, nope. (laughs) like people don't even know you exist. Right. So that's what marketing is for. Well, guess what? Maybe you have a background in marketing. Probably you don't. And then you got to figure out how to get on people's maps. And then once you do, now you need to sell. Maybe you have a background in experience in sales. Probably you don't. And guess what? As an entrepreneur, you just earned yourself a new job title, and that's head of sales, as well as about 12 other job titles that you may or may not have experience in. And that's why these things take time. So to me, uh, if you have a day job and you can experiment with this side business for a period of time to determine that it's viable and that you actually enjoy doing it, and that you can really get results for people, and that it produces real cash flow, cool. Now my pre-flight check is is all checked off, and I'm ready to turn in my two weeks. Maybe for some other people, they're in a dual-income household, right? And they can take that risk, or others have enough cash reserves where they can take that risk, or others are just so miserable in their day jobs that they just cannot take another day of it. Like, that's all fine. You know, there is no universal right or wrong way to do this. But I I try to be pretty outspoken and helping people be realistic about what to expect because entrepreneurship is hard. And I think everybody knows that it's hard, but sometimes they underestimate just how hard it is or how long it takes. Yeah. And I think even if you're um, in that like toxic corporate environment and you feel like you have to get out, I used to be of the mindset that you get out of there. You know, that's what I did. Um, but my friend, Matt Doan, who I think you're connected with on LinkedIn as well. And I've had him here on the podcast. He talks about like, um, you know, breaking out of the corporate cage, not in a physical way, but in a mental way, you know, like if you're at this toxic job, you can actually, I think just the fact that you have this sort of side business that you're describing that does get you excited and provide you a a sense of joy. and, And you know that you're working towards something in the future that in and of itself, I think makes the present toxic work culture a little bit more tolerable. And then if you take that a step further and you follow like someone, uh, someone like Matt's advice and you start putting up boundaries at your job and it's crazy, the psychology behind this, where once you start doing that and like saying, no, I'm not going to that meeting instead of saying I should go there because it's going to look favorably upon me you know, by my superiors, by saying, I don't care, I'm not going to it, how your superiors start to gain more respect for you because you're guarding your time. So you can actually like create this environment on your own to just put up with your job for a little while longer until you can work on something that that gets you excited and fired up. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good, um, really good strategy and again, everybody's everybody's just going to be different. You know, I, I've also met a lot of accidental entrepreneurs where they hmm. lost their jobs unexpectedly. And maybe they already had a business idea. 
that they had been toying with and this is the life event that's going to get them off the fence. Uh, or maybe they've been trying to find another job and haven't had any success. And they say, look, I just, I got to start working for myself here to make something happen. Um, so again, there, there just, there is no perfect on ramp and there is no universal situation, but I think you and I both are doing anybody who listens to this, we're doing them a service by trying to just be completely realistic about what to expect and how long it takes and how hard it is to do. Totally agree. Let me say before people think that we're like poo-pooing entrepreneurship here, I think entrepreneurship is awesome once you get over what I call the entrepreneurial hump, because you will absolutely, if you do it right, get to a point where you wouldn't dream of taking a day job again, because you've got so much more freedom of time, money and relationship and purpose as an entrepreneur than you can ever get it at a day job. So I do think it's awesome. I'm a huge advocate uh, of entrepreneurship and will help anybody and everybody that I can to, to get to that point. But I also just want them to come into it knowing what they're signing themselves up for. Like when you get to a point that, that you're describing, it's the best life you could ever imagine, you know, and being that that's the case, it ain't easy. If it was, everybody would be doing it, you know? And, and so I think this is a great place to end this conversation because I'd like to have many more conversations with you in the future, Andrew, where we can, you know, just continue to provide these insights because I do think it's a service. I think people need to understand um, the realities of it, but also be inspired because you can fight through all these tough realities as well. So, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on and everyone check out First Gen Entrepreneurs. It's a, a great organization, a mission that, that I believe in deeply of providing support for first generation entrepreneurs that didn't have the same advantages as maybe second or third gen entrepreneurs. Um, so I'm all about fighting for the little guy, my friend. Yep. I'm rooting for the underdog. So I'll leave it at that. And then is there is there anywhere else where people can go if they just want to connect with you or, or find more information? What do you suggest? So uh, LinkedIn, ironically, despite the fact that we kind of badmouthed it throughout this episode a little bit. But yeah, I'm pretty active still on LinkedIn. So you can always DM me there, Andrew McIntosh. And then my website is just firstgen.biz. So that's the number one, S-T-G-E-N.biz. Sounds good, my friend. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks, and see you next time.